Section 43 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeannie Whitfield. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 5 by Henry Gray. Section 43. The Thymus. 4C. The Thymus. The thymus is a temporary organ attaining its largest size at the time of puberty. Hamar. When it ceases to grow, gradually dwindles and almost disappears. If examined when its growth is most active, it will be found to consist of two lateral lobes placed in close contact along the middle line situated partly in the thorax, partly in the neck, and extending from the fourth costal cartilage upward, as high as the lower border of the thyroid gland. It is covered by the sternum, and by the origins of the sternohyoidae, and the sternothyroidei, below it rests upon the pericardium, being separated from the aortic arch and great vessels by a layer of fascia. In the neck it lies on the front and sides of the trachea, being the sternohyoidei and sternothyroidei. The two lobes generally differ in size. They are occasionally united so as to form a single mass, and sometimes separated by an intermediate lobe. The thymus is of a pinkish-gray color, soft and lobulated on its surfaces. It is about 5 centimeters in length, 4 centimeters in breadth below, and about 6 millimeters in thickness. At birth it weighs about 15 grams. At puberty its weight is about 35 grams. After this it gradually decreases to 25 grams at 25 years, and less than 15 grams at 60, and about 6 grams at 70 years development, the thymus appears in the form of two flask-shaped entodermal diverticula, which arise, one on either side, from the third brachial pouch, and extend lateralward and backward into the surrounding mesoderm in front of the ventral aorta. Here they meet and become joined to one another by connective tissue, but there is never any fusion of the thymus tissue proper. The pharyngeal opening of each diverticulum is soon obliterated, but the neck of the flask persists for some time as a cellular cord. By further proliferation of the cells lining the flask, buds of cells are formed, which become surrounded and isolated by invading mesoderm. In the latter, numerous lymphoid cells make their appearance and are aggregated to form lymphoid follicles. These lymphoid cells are probably derivatives of the entodermal cells, which line original diverticula and their subdivisions. Additional portion of thymus tissues are sometimes developed from the fourth branchial pouches. Thymus continues to grow until the time of puberty and then begins to atrophy. Structure Each lateral lobe is composed of numerous lobules held together by delicate areolar tissue the entire gland being enclosed in an investing capsule of similar but denser structure. The primary lobules vary in size from that of a pin's head to that of a small pea, and are made up of a number of small nodules or follicles, which are irregular in shape and are more or less fused together, especially toward the interior of the gland. Each follicle is from 1 to 2 millimeters in diameter and consists of a medullary and a cortical portion. These differ in many essential particulars from each other. The cortical portion is mainly composed of lymphoid cells, supported by a network of finely branched cells 
which is continuous with a similar network in the medullary portion. The network forms an adventia to the blood vessels. In the medullary portion, the reticulum is coarser than the cortex. The lymphoid cells are relatively fewer in number, and there are found peculiar nest-like bodies, the concentric corpuscles of Hassel. These concentric corpuscles are composed of a central mass consisting of one or more glandular cells and of a capsule which is formed of epithelioid cells. They are the remains of the epithelial tubes which grow out from the third branchial pouches of the embryo to form the thymus. Each follicle is surrounded by a vascular plexus from which vessels pass into the interior and radiate from the periphery toward the center, forming a second zone just within the margin of the medullary portion. In the center of the medullary portion there are very few vessels, and they are of minute size. Watney has made the important observation that hemoglobin is found in the thymus, either in cysts or in cells situated near to or forming part of the concentric corpuscles. This hemoglobin occurs as granules or as circular masses exactly resembling colored blood corpuscles. He has also discovered in the lymph issuing from the thymus similar cells to those found in the gland, and like them containing hemoglobin in the form of either granules or masses. From these facts he arrives at the conclusion that the gland is one source of the colored blood corpuscles. More recently, Schaefer has observed actual nucleated red blood corpuscles in the thymus. The function of the thymus is obscure. It seems to furnish during the period of growth an internal secretion concerned with some phases of body metabolism, especially that of the sexual glands, vessels, and nerves. The arteries supplying the thymus are derived from the internal mammary and from the superior inferior thyroids. The veins end in the left innominate vein and in the thyroid veins. The lymphatics are described on page 698. The nerves are exceedingly minute. They are derived from the vagi and sympathetic. Branches of the descendants hypoglossy and phrenic reach the investing capsule, but do not penetrate into the substance of the gland. End of section 43. Recording by Jeannie Whitfield.